We doing good today? Feeling good today? Don's right, I am excited. <laughs> but why wouldn't I be? I mean, we get to spend together time together as family. And I, re- I'm, I really am. I'm feeling energized and stuff by the singing from Stephen. Thank you very much. Uh, and you guys, hearing y'all, energizing, fantastic. Thank you guys for being here with us today. Uh, today we are finishing uh, Marshall's series on baggage, trying to get rid of the stuff that weighs us down. In the past couple of weeks, we've talked about uh, pretty common baggage that most of us uh, have experienced in our lives, at least at some point, or right now, we're finding that we, yeah, I mean, I really am carrying around some baggage in my life. First, Marshall talked about family baggage. I mean, who can, you know, who can relate to family baggage? I mean, that's, that's every single one of us in this room of, and I got some, I got some stuff from my family, stuff from my past, stuff from uh, whatever happened whenever I was growing up or the things that are happening right now in my family. And I've got some uh, bitterness. I've got some resentment from that. So Marshall walked through uh, forgiveness, uh, how to walk through all of that and to come out the other side and to see Jesus at the end. Last week, we talked about church baggage something I'm sure none of us can ever, you know, relate to or anything, but, and sometimes the church, it has not treated us well. We have wounds from our past in the church. Uh, We haven't been treated well from one particular person in the church, and the way that we view that one person is the way that we view Christians in general or one congregation in general, and we've been hurt. We've been burned by the church, and so last, uh, last week, I encourage you guys, go onto our YouTube channel and check those out, man. It's encouraging to know that, yes, we're all here. We're all together in this, and that, man, we've got baggage. We've got things that we just need to unload. We need to hand those bags to God. And so, as Marshall was talking to me about what I'm gonna be talking about today, realizing that family baggage and church baggage, that's baggage that we can get from other people, but what do we do with the personal baggage, the baggage that we take on ourselves. But before we do that, I know you thought you guys are gonna get out of it. If you've been here for the past couple of days, Marshall has been leading us in three truths and repeating those three truths uh, every single Sunday of this series. And if you guys can know, there's three truths, three significant things that we need to remember about ourselves. Number one, that we are loved, we are significant, and we are empowered. We are loved, we are significant, and we are empowered. And although it is awkward, we definitely need to stand up, and we definitely need to say those things out loud. So if you will, go ahead and stand up with me, and we're gonna say those things out loud simply so that we can know them and have that truth in our hearts. Go ahead and repeat after me. I am loved. I am am significant. significant. And I am empowered. Now, I don't know what Marshall hears up front and everything too, but I kind of get it, okay? We're excited today, but I feel like we can be even more excited. Say it one more time. I am loved. I am am significant. significant. And I am empowered. empowered. All right, go ahead and tell that to somebody right next to you. Tell them that truth. (laughs) All right, thank you guys. You can go ahead and have a seat. Have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. The encouragement here. (laughs) Now, there's a reason that Marshall has been leading us in that, and there's a reason that we need to say that out loud and say that to each other every single week, and I'll tell you why. Although sometimes it feels like it's awkward, we're standing up in church and we're saying these things, whenever we say these things out loud, we are declaring the truth of what God thinks about us. 
We are loved. We are significant and we are empowered, not because of anything that we have done, not because of the accomplishments and stuff that we are, but strictly because of who Jesus is. And so we say that out loud because whenever we say it out loud, we remind ourselves and others that's the truth. We are loved, we are significant, and we are empowered. So I've only been in youth ministry for, I'm in the middle of my fourth year here, okay? So seasoned veteran talking to you from the pulpit here, okay? Definitely know everything there is to know about youth ministry. Uh, after my first three months, I came in the summer of 16. After my first three months, I uh, felt like I had a pretty good, uh, pretty good handle on the teens, uh, at least kind of a handle on what classes look like and stuff. And I hadn't been fired yet. So as far as I was concerned, I was feeling pretty good. Uh, and so we went to one of our first big events uh, and we just went to it not too long ago in September. Uh, Jumpstart Youth Rally up in Yosho, Missouri, okay? One of our team, they love this. They love this up here in Yosho, Missouri, okay? And so this is happening. This is three or four months into my, into my first year of youth ministry, Okay. Uh, and so we're going to Neosho, Missouri, up there in, uh, in Neosho. We're going there for Jumpstart. Uh, and so I keep everybody in the bus uh, to try and keep, it's, uh, if you've been in youth ministry at all or try and do anything with kids, it's, it's like hurting a whole bunch of cats, okay? And I'm like, stay in the bus. Please stay in the bus. Don't let me. So I go inside and I go and uh, get our teens signed up, get everything that we need uh, that I have to give to them so that they can get in, all the scheduling, all that stuff. And as I'm sitting there, and I'm getting everything uh, figured out and all that, I'm writing stuff down, signing things. I look over to my left, and this is uh, a pretty big youth rally. There's probably, uh, I don't know, 500, 600 kids there every year. Uh, and so what happens at those big youth rallies is that we'll invite colleges and stuff in, a whole bunch of Christian colleges and secular colleges in, uh, so the teens can have an opportunity to meet uh, reps, recruiters, and go and uh, meet them and get to know them just a little bit more. But as I'm sitting there and working things out at the desk, I look over to my left, and the Harding booth's there. I'm not really surprised about that, but I look over to the left, and my heart drops just a little bit because the person that's working the desk Stop laughing, I can hear you. The person that's working behind the desk is none other than a girl that I dated for a pretty significant amount of time in my college experience. <laughs> uh, and so I'm sitting there and okay, I mean, to be you know, super honest and stuff, there wasn't any animosity, there wasn't anything you know, bad or whatever. Like, you know, we, we were able to make up and stuff and I guess friends, we didn't talk or anything like that. There wasn't any negative feelings towards each other or something like that, but why is she here? I'm sitting there and filling, up the, filling out these sheets and stuff, and you know, why is she here? I, I guess I just didn't expect her to be there or whatever. And so if you know me at all and stuff, whenever it comes to awkwardness and stuff, you know, I don't really shy away from awkwardness. I just run at it right in the face, okay? So I go over to, I go over to this girl, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing here? And so we start talking and stuff and catching up just a little bit after I got everything. And cool, well, I come, you know, she's a, she's a recruiter, so she's here, and she's talking to everybody about Harding and stuff, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to send my teens to you, and she says, okay, that sounds great, that's why I'm here, sounds good, uh, and so I <laughs> walk back out to the bus and everything, and I'm like, okay, like, just didn't expect that she was going to be here, whatever, it's fine, but rule number one is, you know, I'm not going to lie to the teens, but I'm definitely not going to tell them, uh, and I'll tell you why, it's just a, it's just a bad idea, uh, but so I'm like, okay, just, just not going to tell them. It's fine. Like, you know, if they ask, sure, whatever, but I'm definitely not going to broadcast this, this news. So we're uh, going through the weekend and everything like that. But little do I know that a couple of my teens, they really like this girl. They think that she's cool uh, and they, uh, you know, 
She's like, yeah, follow me on social media. I do all that stuff and get to know her, get to know Harding just a little bit better. So the teens follow her on social media and as they are uh, stalking her and going through her Instagram page, what do you know but a picture of Brandon and this girl together, okay? And Brandon didn't know this. Brandon didn't know that they went and did all this stuff, okay? And I'm like, you know what? Uh, don't need them to know that necessarily, okay? But like if they find out, you know, it's fine, it's whatever. And the teens, you know, after they found out that information, you know, totally handled it maturely and with respect. <laughs> we walk in to Jumpstart Youth Rally and like, hey, woo! And then they're like whistling and stuff like that. And she's like, what, what is this? I don't ever want to see Flagstone up here again. So I'm like, I'm super embarrassed and stuff, okay? But so they handled it really maturely. Uh, the, at the end of that, that first night, okay, we brought uh, the Flagstone bus up there and we're carting people out. The girls had already left and they went to our place, but the boys are left. And so I'm getting some, uh, the last couple of things that I need from uh, the Jumpstart people, getting addresses and stuff. And so what do you know, but we're going to walk out together, me and this girl. Uh, so her car is the same direction. Telling you, it's not, it wasn't a nightmare, but I'm like, what the heck's happening? So we're walking out to the, to the bus and stuff, and I'm talking to her, and she's asking me about the job, and I'm asking her about her, her life, how her life's going and everything like that, and I'm like, man, you know, like, just feel like I'm really doing some significant work, like, really, like, feel like the teens, uh, you know, connect with me, really feel like I'm, I'm doing something for the kingdom. She's like, man, that's fantastic. I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, I got some really respectful kids and stuff, and then we come upon the bus, and there's teenagers in the bus, only boys, shirts off, the lights are flickering on and off. The bus is rocking back and forth because they're, I'm not gonna tell you which adult chaperone was with us, but I feel like we can kind of make a good assumption. They're in there and so I'm standing there and this girl, I'm sorry, I called you out, Scotty Roller. I'm sitting there with this girl and, and like my, <laughs> I'm like, well, it was good seeing you, and <laughs> just, just leave and go back. Uh, and, you know, luckily, not luckily, that wasn't the only time that we saw her. She was the Harding recruiter for Northwest Arkansas. And so for the next two and a half years, every time that we went, not to just this event, I'm telling you, I saw her like once or twice every month. And all of a sudden, she's like, hello, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> what happened? Like, what's, what's, what's going on with all this? I thought, you know, this, this stuff from my past, I thought all that was buried, and I definitely didn't think that that was going to come up for the teens. I thought all that was buried. I thought all that, like, I had dealt with that, and I wasn't going to have to think about that anymore. And then here it is, haunting me <laughs> once or twice a month. And I'm followed by my past, and it affected my ability uh, to act just for myself, and it affected the teen's ability to act. Now, the only reason I can really tell this story in general is that I met my wife while I was dating this girl. <laughs> Jessica scored off her face. Ooh. Anyway, those things from our past, man, it just seems like, and for our, this whole baggage series, it really seems like that this thing from our past that just keeps reeling its ugly head all of a sudden. I thought we were done with it. I thought we had locked it away. I thought we had, had pushed it aside, buried it deep enough that we wouldn't have to deal with it anymore, and yet here it is again. So as we're finishing up our baggage series, 
realizing that many of us carry baggage from other people, you know, from, from our family members, from our friends, and from churches, but some of the he- heaviest baggage can come from our own past, our own mistakes, our own personal baggage. It seems like we've packed our bags in this trip of life, and we're weighed down by our past failures and our mistakes. It seems like we, as Christians, have a problem getting rid of guilt, because guilt is heavy, the pain is real, and the mental state from carrying around these bags is weighing us down. Now, the interesting part about all of this is that, I mean, we've all have baggage. You know, we've all have baggage. Some of us have baggage now that we're still carrying, and we're still trying to figure out how do I let that stuff go. And like I said, look at our YouTube page and see what Marshall has been leading us through. It's beautiful seeing how through the cross, through Jesus Christ, we can truly let go of those bags and everything like that. And, but we've kind of, some of these bags that we've been dealing with, we've dealt with these things before, okay? We're Christians. We believe that Jesus Christ, th- through the sacrifice that he's done for us, he has nailed our baggage to the cross. All of our sins, all of our failures, all of our shortcomings, everything that we've done that we, is just terrible and we feel disgusting about and we try and hide from other people, Jesus has nailed those things up onto the cross and we are free from those things and we can live and it's such a liberating feeling to have those things be gone. I don't, I'm not weighed down by this. And yet, I see this all the time because it happens to me too. We lay those things at the cross, we lay those things at the, at the feet of Jesus Christ and the girl that you dated from your past comes back in. We start picking up the bags again and start realizing, oh, I, I put those things down. I laid those things to the cross. I, I, I asked God for forgiveness, and I know that he forgave it for me, but yet here I am again holding the same bags that I gave him before. And so we get into this weird system, I guess, if you want to call it like that, where we can see that Christ has offered us this freedom and we are supposed to be able to look back at our past and, and our past is supposed to be this symbol of the strength that Christ has given us at the time of our salvation. And if that's the truth for you, man, amen. I'm, I'm hope, I hope that that's the truth. But it's sometimes it seems like instead our past looks at us and just mocks us from afar. The thing from our past rears its ugly head again. I thought I had buried that sin and I tried so hard to keep it down. I tried so hard not to go back to that thing. I tried so hard to leave it be. I tried so hard to remove myself from those friends, from those relationships. I tried so hard to forgive my family. I tried so hard to forgive my church. Why am I still holding this baggage? My buddy John just moved up uh, to Northwest Arkansas not too long ago. He's a missionary in Chile for a couple of years. Uh, and so he didn't get to drive while he was down there for about a year. And so he comes up here, and over next to my house, there's a roundabout. Go ahead and put up that picture of the roundabout, Ethan. Uh, there's this roundabout by my house, and the first time he comes by my house, he says, Brandon, I, uh, I, w- I was coming to your house, and I just kind of got a little stuck on the roundabout. I was like, what do you mean you got stuck on the roundabout? And for, I mean, first-time drivers and all that stuff, too, this is, this is kind of hard, okay? I mean, you got entryways and exitways and stuff. But he said, Brandon, I think I went around the roundabout like five times. Like five times, dude. He's, I didn't know. I was in this lane and people are getting up. And it's, 
But sometimes that's what it feels like for us whenever we're dealing with our sins and whenever we're dealing with our baggage, it feels like, okay, we got off and I was able to lay our baggage at the feet of cross, but then, and then all of a sudden it's, I'm just going around, we've got this thing where we ask Jesus for forgiveness, but then we go and pick it back up again and it just feels going round and round and round and why are we not moving forward? Why are we not moving forward? So how do we get to a place where we can deal with our personal baggage from the past and end this roundabout? How can we finally put to death the shame and guilt from our failures and accept true forgiveness? How can I finally let go of the past and my own mistakes and live in freedom instead of this endless, okay, I'm done, only to pick it back up later? (laughs) I'm not the only one that connects with this message, right? I'm, I'm not the only one. Today we're going to take a look at and pray through scripture and see how others dealt with this same problem. I've basically got three main points today that we'll be walking through. First, how we naturally handle, handle failure from the past. Uh, second, we'll look at the problem of shame and how covering up and hiding our sins can eat us alive and how we can truly let go of the past and forgive ourselves and accept the forgiveness of God. So how we naturally handle failure from the past, the problem of shame, Uh, and how we can truly let go and forgive ourselves. So first off, handling failure from the past. I think that one of the most encouraging things about this series is realizing that we're not alone, right? That's, That's encouraging, right? We're not alone in carrying this baggage from our past, whether that's the family stuff that just seems to always come back up, whether that's the church stuff that I just can't seem to let go of. I think the most encouraging thing about that is the fact that we're not alone. We've all carried at some point bitterness or resentment or guilt from the past. And if you're feeling that, guess what? Join the crowd. Here we are. We're all human. In Romans 3, Paul says this in verses 22 and 24. He says, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no difference between the people that are in the church and outside of the church, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And they are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. So that's encouraging, right? We're not not alone in this, okay? The struggle is for us to let go. And the most beautiful and encouraging part of this is, yes, we all have problems inside and outside the church. Yes, we all are sinners, but that's why Jesus came and through his grace and the redemption, he has taken that stuff away from us. But have you noticed? But have you noticed that whenever we look around us in our jobs, in our society, and sometimes here at church, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to look like that, right? It doesn't seem to, to look like that. We know we're not alone in that, but whenever I look at somebody else, it doesn't seem to be the case, because whenever we come to church, whenever we go to our jobs, whenever we're out in society and hanging with our friends, we see put-together people, right? We see put-together people, people with good jobs, good fashion sense, uh, just enough money to get by, solid family, good-looking kids, they definitely don't scream or cry ever, spiritually grounded, and we're, we're tempted to believe that about church people too, that church people have it all together, that, you know, the leaders, our, our elders and our deacons and Marshall and Brandon, that, uh, you know, they're up there because they have it all figured out, and we know, and I'm telling you right now, that that cannot be true, right? We're all in need of grace Here's what I'm pointing to, though, okay? We would never bust through the doors of this auditorium and go, check out my sin, look at all. 
We would never bust through and just say, hey, look at, look at everything I got. Do you want to look through? How about we open up the bags? Oh, it's, that's pretty bad, isn't it? Let's look at all this. We would never come out and just say, okay, you know, look at, look at all this baggage. We would never wear it on us like a name tag and say, look at the things that I've done, okay? None, none of us want to do that, okay? The natural tendency for us, and we don't do it on purpose, the natural tendency for us is that whenever we sin, whenever we mess up, whenever we fail, and whenever we have this guilt, our our uh, natural tendency is to say, hey, yeah, oh, no, I'm doing good. No, yeah, you know, Morgan's doing pretty well. She enjoys her job and all of that, uh, but uh, don't worry about these. Um, you know, I'm making it feel like I'm, I'm doing, you know, youth ministry and everything. Let me just get that out of here, too. Uh, and we hide it, and we put it behind us, basically. And we say, no, 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 don't look, don't look at this stuff. Don't look at this stuff. Look at this stuff. Don't look at this stuff, look at this stuff. And for church people, this can be, become relatively easy. It, it's embodied in the response that we give people whenever they ask how we are. I'm doing good, brother. Life is good. Look at the family. We're looking good. I got smiles on my face. It's awesome. Uh, and I'm not telling you to do the opposite because if I'm being completely honest, if we were completely honest every time whenever somebody said, hey, how you doing, brother? And we said, just not good. <laughs> that's like socially awkward, but you know me. I run towards the awkwardness. Look at Brandon up here. Brandon's good. Brandon's smiling. He looks good in the shirt that Morgan picked out for him this morning. Put together. <laughs> but it's been, it's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But we do this. And it's been like this since the beginning. In Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, we learn about the beginnings of our world and the beginnings of humanity and God's relationship with humanity. And there's this couple there called Adam and Eve and they have one job, take care of the garden, they have one rule. Don't go and eat from this one tree, this one fruit from this one tree. That's it, they can do anything else. They're having some amazing time there and God says, okay, this paradise is yours but don't do this one thing. And so, what would Brandon do? I'm gonna go and do that one thing. So they go and they eat of the fruit, okay? They decide, okay, yeah, God makes the rules, but I think I know better than God. So I'm gonna go take that fruit and see what it tastes like because maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe that's where the real life is, okay? But as soon as, they take a pig, or as soon as they take a bite of the fruit, they realize something very profound, and that's what I want us to see today. Here in Genesis chapter three, verse seven, very beginning of the Bible, only three pages in, okay? After they take a bite of the fruit, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. And so what did they do? They sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. So what's happening here? All of a sudden, they just, they just realize they're, they're, they're naked. Well, can, can you see it? All of a sudden, they're good, they're good. All of a sudden, they take something that they're not supposed to take. They sin, they do something that God said, don't do this. And after they did that, in comes the shame, in comes the guilt for their failure. They see it, they recognize it, and they defensively try and hide that vulnerability from plain sight, and so they make clothes for themselves. They say, well, <laughs> they're trying to hide it from God, they're trying to hide it from each other. I feel bad about what I just did. I did something to hurt somebody I did something that I wasn't supposed to do. And so what do they do? They go into the defensive position and try and cover it. Don't let anybody see. 
And this is the problem of shame. Go ahead and go to the next slide. This is the problem of shame. See, the, the physical way that we cover ourselves because there are, there's a physical way that we cover ourselves because there are things that we don't want others to see. So we put up this image of what we want you to see. And like I said, we don't, we don't even do this on purpose. It's just naturally how we handle shame. But it seems like there's something deep within us that to be the object of somebody's gaze, unfiltered and unable to choose and that you have no control about what they see or what they think about. There's a lot of embarrassment there. There's a lot of shame there. And, and this story, it's not just about covering ourselves physically, but this speaks volumes to us, to us spiritually. And I want you to imagine for a second, okay? I want you to imagine for a second. What if, for the next seven days, there was a wire attached to Brandon's brain, and everything that Brandon thought of was plastered onto this screen or on some YouTube live feed all the time. Just imagine that. Well, first of all, it would be horrifying for me, <laughs> but it would also be horrifying for you, okay? Brandon really thinks about Chipotle that much, really? That's like something that he regularly thinks about. I can't believe Brandon would think that about that person that just cut him off in traffic. Like, that's, that's my youth minister. That's a pastor. He really thought that? But we, we, don't, we don't want that. Our, some of our worst nightmares are whenever we're uncovered, right? Some of our worst nightmares are whenever we're uncovered. Think about if somebody was to get onto your internet browser. Just able to get through, look through everything, see everything that you're watching, see everything that you've searched for, all the pictures that you've seen, all the files that you have hidden deep in your, in your computer. Makes us uneasy. Well, what, what about even closer to home, what about phone, our phones and texting? What if somebody was, you know, to take your phone and you couldn't do anything about it and they went through all of your pictures and all of your texts and stuff and they were able to see, okay, yeah, this is the way, the way this person that, this is the way Brandon wants you to look at, but look at what Brandon, look at what's on Brandon's phone. Cool. Or maybe it's whenever we are talking negatively about somebody, uh, whenever we're in our job workplace, we're talking negative about somebody and really just letting the other person have it and saying, man, this person's the blah, 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 and you're saying all these bad things, only to realize that they're only a couple of seats away. Did, did they hear? Did they say? Did, will they know that? And so what do we do with all of this is we hide and we cover ourselves. We say and we do things that we are ashamed of, and so we present ourselves in the way that we want others to view us. It's why we dress the way we do. It's, the way we, it's why we act the way we do. It's protection from exposing the shame that we feel about all of that. Many of us have carried or are carrying baggage from our past. We know that we've hurt people that we care about. We've lied to get ahead. We've pushed the blame on somebody else. We've lashed out in anger. We've utterly failed at being the husband or the wife that they need them to be. We've ruined our relationships with our kids and I don't think that they can come back from that. I don't think I can come back from that. We're closet drinkers, closet abusers, lukewarm Christians. So of course, I'm gonna bottle that. Of course, I'm gonna push it down. Of course, I'm gonna keep those things hidden. I've heard, Brandon, if you only knew half of the person that I've become, you wouldn't wanna talk to me anymore. 
You have no idea how far I've strayed, how many times I've wandered. Of course, you tell me to bring it out into the open, not today. Of course, I'm gonna push that stuff down. And we begin to view ourselves as damaged goods. Our identity, it seems, is made up of the sum of our past mistakes, and it's killing us because it's so heavy. You guys realize how difficult, <coughs> excuse me, you guys realize how difficult it is to hide that all the time? To constantly cover yourselves because you're ashamed of the things you've done or your past? You know how hard that is? How taxing it is on our brains and how taxing it is on our body to hold those things in and say, I can't let anybody know. It all has to stay between me, myself, and I and to cover ourselves and to keep it inside, to push the bags back behind us. Do you know how hard that is? David in the Psalms kind of said that for us. This is a verse that Marshall used in his first sermon on this series, but I want to use it again. It says this in Psalm 32, verses three and four. Go ahead and put that up there. Psalm 32, verses three and four. He says this, when I kept silent, when I kept it all in, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped in the heat of summer. It weighs on us. It's tiring. It's exhausting trying to hold all those things in. Uh, This story uh, is hard for me to share, but it's on my heart, so I want to share it with you guys. Uh, There's a family member on my mom's side that started losing weight rapidly. Uh, and not in a way that's healthy. Uh, she all of a sudden started losing weight. She started having migraines. Uh, and she started struggling being able to focus, started just wasn't able to complete simple tasks, was forgetting a lot of things, easy things. And so, of course, they take her to the doctor uh, and try and get something figured out. Maybe, maybe there's something wrong because that's, that's the answer. Maybe there's something wrong. So they go and they do scans. They take her to a a doctor to go and just get a full body eval to see exactly what's happening. Nothing. She's just losing weight rapidly and we gotta put her on some migraine medicine. Six months later, we find out that she's been living a double life. That she's been lying to her family. And that because She has to hold all of these lies in because she has to live this second life and keep that completely away from her other family. Because of the guilt, the lies, the anxiety, the fear, and the shame, everything that she was doing, she was keeping it inside, and it was killing her, literally. And it was after we found that out that one of my mentors brought this verse up to me and I am never going to view this verse differently. We cannot live this way. Although it appears to be more comfortable and easy, shame drives us to cover ourselves and to bury our own failures deep inside of us because we think that if somebody knew about what we've done, and this is a deep lie that Satan wants us to believe to keep us afraid and to keep us in the dark, And it's this kind of covering of where Jesus comes and meets us. He knows that we hide our baggage 
in the dark. He says this in John 3. We all know John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son uh, so that we can live with God in paradise someday. Well, that's, that's an amazing verse, something that we all know, but just a couple of verses later in verse uh, 19 through 20, he says this. Jesus says this, he says, this is the verdict that light, talking about himself, light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Well, I, I don't love the darkness. I love, I love Jesus. I go to church. I'm a youth minister here. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light. Why? For fear that their deeds will be exposed. That all of a sudden, I will stand in front of you just like this wire tapped and we can see all of Brandon's thoughts. That all of a sudden, I will stand in front of you and you'll see every nasty, disgusting, gross failure that Brandon has ever committed. Fear that our deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Now this is, this is some of the hardest stuff that I think that Jesus has ever said. (laughs) I got this stuff that I want to hold in. I got this stuff I don't want anybody to know. And that's painful, being exposed to the light, having everything out on the table, having all of your baggage. So not keep it behind me, but say, this is what I've done and this is what I need taken away. This is what I need to let go. None of us wants to do that. None of us has a desire. Man, I just want to do that and stuff. But Jesus says those who live in the truth, they will expose all of those things. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want to be uncomfortable. It's terrifying but Jesus lovingly prompts us to bring it out into the open and let him take care of it. Just think for a minute of what it would feel like to get all of that on the table, to get all of that junk on the table, all of your baggage, all of that stuff, all of that on the table, because whenever you uh, kept it in, you tried to hide it from God, think how liberating and how free you would feel if you didn't have to hide those things. Let's go back to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, verses one and two. David says this, dealing with the same things we're dealing with. He says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Who? Covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in in whose spirit is no deceit. So he says this, blessed are the forgiven. Blessed are the forgiven. Blessed is kind of a, a Bible word, okay? We, we say it a lot, okay? And even we have this uh, church lingo, you know? We say blessed, but then sometimes we say blessed. It's just church lingo. <laughs> but blessed is more than just good, okay? So what does blessed mean? Go ahead and put up that picture uh, of the billboard, please. Blessed is kind of like this, okay? When we see it all the time, especially here in the fall in football season. We've got, we pass by billboards all the time. You got uh, a dad, usually pretty attractive with a big beard or something like that. He's grilling on the side. He's grilling and making burgers and all that for his beautiful wife that's sitting there uh, in a nice dress that usually reveals a little more than it should. He's got her family, the two, uh, the, what is it, one, 2.1.2 kids or something like that, 1.3 kids, whatever. They're there, they're enjoying time in the backyard, okay? And what does he have in his hand? But he's got a beer. He's got a beer in his hand. And so the billboard is saying, man, if you have a beer in your hand, if you buy this one kind of product, if you buy this product, this is the result, okay? 
if you buy this beer, this is the kind of family that you're going to have, and on Saturdays we can watch the Razorbacks almost clinch that win against Texas A&M. We're talking about baggage, okay? This is the place I need to let it go, okay? Here it is. Just let it go. But that's what David in the Psalms, like that's what he's talking about, okay? If you buy this product, this is what your life is going to be like, okay? So this is what he says. He says, blessed, okay? Blessed is the life the good life. Oh, the good fortune of the person whose sins are forgiven. Blessed are the one who knows that their sins are forgiven. Oh, the life set up of the person that knows that they are deeply flawed, which each of us can know that we are deeply flawed and that we need forgiveness. And then at the very end here, and knows they have it. This is the hardest part for us, and knows they have it. So let's talk about forgiveness just for a second. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're, we're almost there. Let's talk about forgiveness for a second. We talk about forgiveness all the time. Marshall has mentioned it in both of his past two sermons. Talk about forgiveness all the time. We talk about uh, God has forgiven us, and so we need to forgive others. That's what scripture says. We need to forgive others because God has so lavishly poured out forgiveness on top of us. But if we're honest with ourselves, forgiveness for human beings, like, that's pretty messy. We're not very good at it. Uh, We say things like, you know, forgive and forget. Yeah, okay, sure. (laughs) Even for something that's little, yeah, forgive and forget. Yeah, I I don't really want to forget. And not only that, I don't think I can forget. I don't, that's not what I'm calling us to do. Like Marshall has talked about in his family baggage thing, he says, you know, we need to forgive each other, but that does not mean that we have to forget about it. That does not mean that we have to get back into a relationship or go straight back into, into a negative relationship or abusing relationship simply because we forgive and we forget. That's not what I'm saying here. We, uh, there's a poet that I really enjoy. His name is Shane Koizian. Uh, I've told the teens all the time that uh, I'm pretty lame because I love the Psalms. <laughs> I love poetry and stuff, spoken word poetry, I guess. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. Um, and Shane, uh, in his poem, How to Be a Person, uh, he says this. He says, forgive. He's not a Christian, but he says this, forgive. Realize that some people are still learning If you are waiting for forgiveness, be prepared to wait. Be prepared to stand in the path of time and wither. Respect that forgiveness is difficult, not all trespasses are equal, and not everybody is going to heal according to your schedule. Now, if you look up this poem uh, after after this, know that Shane is not a a Christian. He's got a little bit of a mouth on him, so proceed with caution. But even Shane, not as a Christian, not believing the things that uh, we believe about Jesus and the true forgiveness that we can have, he says, man, forgiveness is hard, and we are messy at forgiveness. Forgiveness is sloppy for humans. We know we've messed up, and so we ask God for forgiveness, but it's sometimes withheld until the time is right. That's human forgiveness. But David paints a different picture here. David paints a different picture here. We're still in Psalm 32. I encourage you guys to read this psalm in its entirety. Oh, it's so powerful. Psalm 32, verse five, he says this. After he said, whenever I kept everything in, my bones withered away and my strength was sapped like the strength of summer. He says this in verse five. He says, then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. 
Did you catch that? This earth-shattering verse. Underline it, circle it, do whatever you need to do. Earth-shattering. I mean, he lays out for us in three steps. Another person that, says that, that comes up here and preaches might say action steps. He says this. Number one, I acknowledged my sin. I said it out loud, just like we said before. I am loved, I am significant, I am powered. We say it out loud. We bring it into the light, ready to be exposed to Jesus to say, this is, this is me. I acknowledged my sin. And then number two, I stopped covering myself. I stopped covering myself. I displayed my brokenness to Jesus. I displayed, this is, this is my stuff. This is, this is my baggage. This is what I have. We put, it, we put it on the table. We stopped covering myself and said, no, these are the things that I'm dealing with. These are the sins from my past that I haven't been able to let go of. We displayed our brokenness. And then number three, I confessed. And confession is just a, a church word that really just means I told the truth. I told the truth about my sin. In church, what is God's response? And you forgave the guilt of my sin. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. He didn't consider it. He didn't say, okay, well, you need to get your life together and then I'll forgive it. He didn't say, if you just change these things, I'll forgive it. He says, if I do these things, if I acknowledge my sin, and I say, this is what I'm dealing with, put it on the table and say, this is who I am. What does God do? But he forgives it. I mean, this, this, is, this is God in his character. This is unbelievable. I mean, this is life-changing. I know that we're doing uh, bikes, blues, and barbecue and everything right now, okay? Uh, but, and I don't know who you are, if you're the biker or if you're the person that's just around the bikers and everything, okay? The truth is that last year in 2018, they gave out 29 tickets. Uh, <laughs> I think that there was a, a um, motorcycle fire, anything like that. Think about you yourself in the middle of all of this stuff, okay? You got caught speeding. Sorry, you got caught mouthing off to uh, somebody on their motorcycle and they pulled you over, they got you, nailed you. Okay, so you go to the court office uh, and you say, I'm gonna go and talk to the judge, okay? Because if you just show up in person, maybe they'll be a little bit more lenient, okay? And so you come up and you say, hey, okay, this is, this is it. I, I messed up, this is, this, this is my stuff, okay? Can you imagine if the judge was like, you know what? You're probably having a hard day. I get that. Don't worry about it. Actually, you know what? Let's just strike it off the record. And you know what? I'll, I will myself go and talk to the insurance. I'll, I'll talk to all of that and I'll get it all covered. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Grab a Tootsie Roll on your way out. We look at something like that and we're like, dude, that's unbelievable. That would never happen. And that's the picture that David is painting of Jesus, of God. It just seems like God is in the business of just straight up forgiving his children. How liberating is that, man? Imagine if you were to really get everything on the table. If you were to really say, okay, Jesus, these are my sins. This is everything that I've dealt with. These things, these family sins, these church, church stuff, everything from my past. Really get it all on the table and say, Jesus, this is everything, okay? Can you imagine the freedom and the confidence that we can come to from doing that? Once you know that the worst of what you have Everything that you've done, the worst of that, everything you're ashamed of, guilty of, held inside, and you're keeping in the dark, is on the table. And what is God's response to life? He moves towards us in mercy. He moves towards us in mercy. What an empowering 
experience God's grace is stronger than everything that we have and this should change us, man. This should change us. This is how we get off the roundabout. Realizing and understanding the forgiveness that God has offered to each and every single one of us through his son. So the question is, where does this confidence come from? How can you know that you've been forgiven? How many times do you have to ask for forgiveness in order for God to give it to you? Where did David get this kind of confidence, okay? Where he said, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Where did all that come from? The thing is is that this kind of confidence is not from David. David is not confident in himself. He's the guy that screwed up. He's the guy that messed up. He's the guy that had all of this sin and kept it down, okay, and covered himself. Look how messed up David is, but rather he has confidence in God for his forgiveness. This is a beautiful picture that when David is writing this psalm, he had an incomplete picture of God's plan for us, okay? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, God made him who has no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus sees everything nasty that we've ever done, everything that we push deep down, sees all of that. And where we need to deal with the consequences and be nailed to the cross and die for the things that we've done, Jesus has taken it upon himself. He who had no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The confidence that we can have in accepting that forgiveness is not how you can do better or try harder. We always say that. You know, I'm struggling with this addiction. I'm struggling with this or whatever. Oh, I just, I gotta, I'm gonna try harder. Uh, I, just need to, I just need to separate myself from those. And yeah, maybe that's the case, okay. But you can never try hard enough. You can never do better enough. Our confidence now lies in the fact that Jesus has done something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus has covered it. He's taken the baggage and he's nailed it to the cross. And he calls us. He looks at you and he calls you righteousness redeemed, where we wish for a rewind in our life, we wish to just go back and do all that stuff, he looks at us and he says, righteous, redemption. That is beautiful. And that's my call for you guys this morning. I'm not a parent. I get to hang out with teens and stuff all day long. (laughs) They're at my house watching games and movies and stuff yesterday. I'm not a parent. I don't know how parenting works really besides it looking at the outside in but imagine this imagine a kid your kid coming up to you in a stroke of brilliance okay this is this is some good moments here in a stroke of brilliance your kiddo comes to you and says instead of trying to cover it up instead of trying to just you know bl- put the blame on somebody else this kiddo comes up and says i need help i'm i'm sorry I need you to help me in this moment because <laughs> I messed up. What's the parent's response? I imagine, I don't even imagine because my, my parents displayed this to me. Whenever you come out and you throw it out on the table and say, I'm, I messed up, I need, I need help. What do they offer but love and forgiveness and mercy and hope in the future? I know you didn't get it, buddy but you can make it, you can make it. That's the kind of forgiveness that the Holy Spirit offers us.
That's the kind of forgiveness that God offers each and every single one of us. So if you feel like you're on a roundabout, I can't get this off, can't get this sin out, uncover, show your stuff, confess your sins to one another and confess your sins to God. A lot of times we think that he's just gonna, he's gonna nail us and he's gonna just hurt us and be so disappointed, but here he is offering love and hope and forgiveness. That's what he offers each and every single one of us. If you feel like that today, if you feel like you're on the roundabout and you just can't get off, if you feel like you've been hiding your sins, if you feel like you've been hiding yourself from other people and saying, man, I can't, I can't put that on the table because I don't know what they're gonna think about me. One thing I love about this family is that here we are. Our stuff is on, as us, it, our stuff is on the table. And it is met with love and mercy and hope not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ. So if you feel like that today, forward and let us know how we can help. And we'll do that today as we stand and sing.